This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. If Greta Thunberg was not enough for us to be a wake-up call, COVID and quarantine is exactly the wake-up call. This is Mother Nature talking to us, saying we should stop our irresponsible behavior in terms of the waste, in terms of the pollution, in terms of not taking care about the global climate and global warming as well. Funny enough, it took a quarantine in so many countries for the ozone layer to start to reheal itself, for pollution to decrease, and for dolphins to come back to Venice. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Now, before we get started, I want you to know my new book is out. It's called The Buddha and the Badass. Firstly, thank you to all of you who supported my first book, The Code of the Extraordinary Mind, and made it become the number one book in the world on Amazon Kindle. And I cannot wait to get The Buddha and the Badass onto your hands. Now, a lot of people are telling me they love the title, and it's kind of mysterious. What is this book about? Well, here's how I put it, and I'm grabbing it off my shelf right now. I have one of the early copies. I'm so excited. So The Buddha is the spiritual master. The badass is the change maker. You have both inside you. Once you awaken both these archetypes, this transforms the way you work, the way you show up in the world, the way you build your empire. So many of us, we either go deep into spirituality or we go deep into work. What if both of these can be unified? What if the great spiritual masters, if they were alive today, were the ones building companies that could change the world, were the ones who were crushing it at their jobs? And what I put forth in this book is the idea that your spirituality can be brought to work. And when you learn to use these elements of your soul, of your mind, of your spirit, of your consciousness, of tapping into altered states of intuition, you can magnify what you do at work. Now, I was a VP in Silicon Valley many years ago, and I was failing at my job until I went deep into meditation. I was surprised at how I was then able to get promoted In a span of four months, I got promoted three times. And what also happened is that I got so good at my job, I was able to hold down two positions. I was VP of sales and VP of business development for a company with 100 employees because I was that productive. My secret was not optimizing email or learning how to get more things done. It was being able to tap into altered states for flow, for creativity, being able to tap into my mind to visualize outcomes I wanted, being able to connect with people at a deep level. Those strategies I went really deep in over the last 20 years, and I share them in the book, The Buddha and the Badass. The book is nine chapters. You do not have to read it in order. You can read it in any order you want. So pick the chapter that resonates with you. Perhaps it's uncovering your soul print, or it's attracting your allies, or it's activating your inner visionary, or it's building a unified brain, or it's how to bend reality. Now, I know you're going to love this book. You can find out more at mindvalley.com forward slash Buddha badass. And if you go to that page, 
forward slash Buddha Badass, there are some incredible offerings if you pre-order the book. And what I mean by incredible is this. For people who order five copies of the book all this week, and it's only for this week, you're going to get Mindvalley's most advanced and expensive program of the year completely free. The program is called Be Extraordinary at Work. It's a $4.99 program, and it's a six-week coaching program designed to accelerate your performance at work, make you a super performer, and get a raise. Or, if you're an entrepreneur, to double your business. That program is free. So check it out. And now, back to the podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Mind Valley Podcast. I'm sitting here with a remarkable gentleman, Sergey Young. Sergey is a longevity investor and researcher. Sergey, welcome to Mind Valley. Hi, Vishen. So good to see you. And Sergey, you know, just to add, we were introduced by Peter Diamandis, who is one of the foremost leaders and visionaries on the planet today, the founder of the XPRIZE. And what I love about Sergey's work, which is why I'm bringing Sergey onto the podcast, is Sergey, as an investor, for over 20 years, he started a fund called the Longevity Vision Fund. He manages about $100 million in investment money. And what he's doing is he's been investing in companies promoting human longevity. So this man, Sergey, not only has he been looking at longevity research, but he's been at the cutting edge of new technologies, new startups that could increase human health. Now, Sergey is an innovation board member at the XPRIZE Foundation. I'm a former board member, so we have that in common. And he's a development sponsor of the Age Reversal XPRIZE. What this means is that Sergey has put up and raised millions of dollars to reward to any scientist or researcher that can find a way to reverse aging. And he's known as one of the top 100 longevity leaders in the world and a Forbes Technology Council member. So welcome to Mind Valley, Sergey. Thank you. So firstly, you're 94 years old. You look amazing. Look, you know, working in longevity, you couldn't really afford yourself to look <laughs> like a shit, right? No, how old are you really? Yeah, I'm 48. Yeah, but look like 48. I have just amazing amount of energy, and it's always <laughs> been the case. Your accent, I know the answer, but tell the audience, where are you from? Sure. So I'm originally from Russia, but my main geography is U.S. You know, I love U.S. U.S. is a huge homogeneous market, 300 million people, 25% of the world economy, and it's so entrepreneurial. So the, my talent is here in U.S. So we're going to talk about two things today. The first thing that we're going to talk about is five essential life lessons that coronavirus can teach us. Okay, so Sergey, I'm going to give you the mic and I'd love for you to share these five lessons. And you so eloquently wrote about this in a Thrive article and I'm honored to have you share this with our audience. I mean, obviously it's a huge stress and unexpected series of events for all of us. And then, you know, our initial reaction to this is always, you know, reaction of fear, fear of uncertainty and fear of death. I mean, there's so many things we're doing today out of fear of death. And then it took me actually a couple of weeks to regain control and understanding of situation. And then in the crisis, and there's old saying, never miss a good crisis, right? And then it's always an opportunity to rethink and learn the lessons. So... It was one day a week ago, I just sit down and thought, why don't I just write, what are the five key lessons that coronavirus teach us today? Not from investment or financial perspective, but for us as human beings. So the overall and overarching 
theme is what can I learn from this? My reflection number one, and that's the first lesson, is just understanding how fragile our civilization is today and has always been. We got so used to comfortable life, the existence of job, of economy, and opportunity to walk on the streets and then don't keep the social distance. And we always find a reason to complain. But look, I think it's a huge lesson from what has happened in the last month or two is, is just the overall understanding of how fragile our civilization and then also how responsible we should be in terms of protecting that. I'll come back to that in lesson five. But that's, that was really striking to lose almost every degree of comfort in a week or so. And it took this to appreciate the importance of that. And I think that's an important lesson there. There was so much to be grateful for, right? Like I used to dread my commutes to work. Yeah. I'm just not a type of person who could spend 50 minutes in a car going back and forth work. Right now, I long for those commutes. I long for just being able to drive somewhere, anywhere. Sometimes coming back from the grocery store, I deliberately just let myself get lost so I can spend a little bit more time driving and being out of the apartment. But yeah, you're right. There's so much we could have been grateful for. Exactly, exactly. And actually, with my four kids, I do gratefulness exercise in the end of every day. And first time I asked my nine years son, like, what are the five things you're most grateful for? I actually thought that he will struggle to answer, but he was like, one, two, three, four, immediately. We lose this kid's ability to appreciate and be surprised with everything that is happening. But let's come back to our lesson. So lesson number two is about what we don't know will kill us. And it is about our mental model that... Yeah, I do a lot of finance and investments. And people always ask me like, you know, Sergey, why are you expecting recession? There is nothing bad in the economy. And I said, guys, and it was the last conversation I had. It was back in January 2020 in LA. And I said, guys, I just don't know what's going to be the next trigger for recession. But I can guarantee you, it's not what we experienced back in 2008 when it was kind of lending crisis, and it will not be the similar kind of tech bubble past which we had back in the year 2000. And it's the fact that we have much more prolonged recession, much more prolonged crisis. It's obviously not kind of V-shape. It's best in kind of U or W shape. So we should you know, expect the next triggers for crisis and next shocks, obviously not from dimensions that we think we know. Do you think the economy might go down further? Look, there's a conflict here. I'm like super positive guy, but for you and for audience, I need to tell the truth. So my truth yeah. is we don't even face the full consequences of what is happening today because a lot of people are at home and we still haven't seen you know, quarter one reporting. And even like by the end of April, there's a number of big tech companies and a lot of U.S. corporations will report. You look at first quarter figures, it's going to be shocking. And then it's going to be even more shocking in the second quarter. So we need to be prepared, not for the winter, but might be for the you know, ice age. But I think what we learn in the next few weeks, you know, having food, having a place to sleep, having an opportunity to educate ourselves and people whom we love through kind of online, you know, and even have 
kind of Zoom parties. It's just few things that we need to survive and be happy. Yeah. So the rest, I think, will go in, a, in much more positive. So the lesson there is prepare for the unknown. Exactly. And even if you think you know like everything, like, you know, I'm taking the huge mortgage or, you know, I want to buy a house there or, I, you know, I'm just about to change my life and go into this direction, thinking like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's super safe bet. There's no safe bets. Every time you feel that it's kind of safe and comfortable to make this decision, just prepare that there might be external shock and the source of this external shock would not be from the direction that you actually expect in this. Right. Third life lesson. I think we're all learning what matters the most. And I think the phrase that, you know, money is not everything, right? And money is not kind of super important. We kind of heard this so many times, but we not necessarily believe in that. But right now, when, you know, health, security, and the existence of loved ones, you know, became much more important priority. So that's a huge wake-up call for us to take control of our health. I just had a chat with my friend from New York last night. And, you know, a good friend of his lost two parents last week. What can be more important than taking care of, you know, health and happiness of ourselves yeah. and the loved ones? And I think it's a huge wake-up call for all of us. So many times we choose to be in a rush for gold to actually forgot what the actual gold is. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We are learning what truly matters the most. Exactly. And what I like about our new choice, more and more people is taking this time to dig into particular topics, whether it's hobby topic or platform for the next job or something that they wanted to learn from kind of personal development perspective. And then just going online, you know, going through the courses, taking webinars. I think it's been an amazing time to take care of yourself and think about yourself as a human being, feed your curiosity, intellect, rather than trying to kind of, you know, feed your desire to have more money. And the thought lesson. Okay, number four. In the first week of quarantine, I remember the shock and overall discomfort that I went through just being on my own. I mean, I'm with the family, you know, I still have an opportunity to see my parents and kids who's living pretty nearby. But this overall shock and the overall step change in terms of, you know, me being much more comfortable with being on my own. You know, it's not about loneliness. It's just the opportunity to kind of stay, reflect, to think through the lessons, think how I want to change my life, you know, afterwards. I like what you wrote in your article. It is the act of rediscovering ourselves. Exactly. It's obviously self-discovery. And we're so used to, you know, be part of the kind of social life and spend our time with the phones. And I was just looking recently to the latest Barclays report on change of generation and habit. Before smartphones, our attention span was like 15 seconds. And goldfish attention span was like nine seconds. But, you know, after we got into smartphone things, our attention span just dropped down to eight seconds. Our mind was not really created to live this way. And then if I want to be grateful for what is happening today, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have more thinking time, time for reflection, and time for self-discovery. And this is the way I'm trying to approach the current quarantine conditions. Mm -hmm. So that's number four. And then number five, as I say, 
if Greta Thunberg, you know, was not enough for us to be a wake-up call, yeah, I mean, COVID and quarantine is exactly the wake-up call. This is Mother Nature talking to us, saying we should stop our irresponsible behavior in terms of the waste, in terms of the pollution, in terms of not taking care about the kind of global climate and global warming as well. And then, funny enough, it took a quarantine in so many countries for the ozone layer to start to heal itself, for pollution to decrease, and for dolphins to come back to Venice, right, to Venice channels. Isn't it amazing? And obviously, we are paying a huge price for that. And then, you know, my final thought is, I've been to South Pole and North Pole. Even if you think it's risky, it's not that risky if you compare this to climbing the Everest. And I was the Jamalungma, the highest mountain in the world. And at some point of time, I was trying to weigh the probability of death. If I will kind of risk myself to go to this Everest climbing. And statistic that I found at this time was like 6% probability of death. Can I go into risk this risky adventure? I mean, Wuhan this is the town where coronavirus started. Their statistic from coronavirus shows us almost like 4% mortality rate. So my metaphor for coronavirus today, we're all climbing our own personal Everest these days, right? And it's up to us whether we give up or we take this as an opportunity for self-discovery, self-reflection, and learning the lessons. So that's my main point out of it. Amazing. Thank you, Sergey. One of the things I wanted to ask you is you're a researcher in longevity. So you obviously have been looking at a lot of new technologies, a lot of new yeah. methods for extending lifespans. Yeah. I'm just curious, what are some of the things that you think we need to be paying attention to if we want to live long and live healthier and live our best lives? Yeah. So there's two buckets here. One bucket is like boring bucket. I call it Horizon 2, the things that you can do and you should do today to increase your chances to live longer, like to 100 years. You know, half of the kids is born this year has good chances to live to 100 years. And while it's boring bucket, like, you know, check up with smoking, diet, physical exercise, peace of mind, while it's boring, it's super important to act on that. I do want to ask you this because we had dinner months back, right? And you mentioned something. We get that, okay, sleep is important, that nutrition is important, that hydration, that exercise, that meditation. We've heard that before, but you did share something that was unique to me, which I wasn't paying attention to. And that was the importance of regular medical checkups. Yeah, let's cover that. And then if we have time, we can cover, I call it horizon two, like the second bucket. The technologies that we're investing in today through longevity vision fund, but it's going to be available for all of us in next five, 10, 15 years. So but let's come back to the boring stuff, the most important stuff. And it is important because you can act today on that. Every time I have 30 seconds on longevity, when people ask me for advice, I spend these 30 seconds about the importance of annual health checkup. If you look at statistics, so look at coronavirus mortality statistics or look at the overall mortality statistics. Our killer monsters are cancer, heart disease, and diabetes right? In 50% of cases, this is, you know, if people are 50 years plus, they're going to die from these reasons. And 
if you look at where pharmaceutical industry and health technologies developed itself, is that the earlier you do a diagnostic of this disease, the higher your chances for recovery. So look at the five main cancer types. 20 years ago, cancer was case of death. These days, if you look at recovery rates, assuming really early diagnostic of cancer, your recovery rates for main five cancer types are 93 to 100%. Mm. And this is super important. I mean, this is your chance to live high quality life to add 10 to 20 years to your life. And this is super important. And Whenever you do checkup, and I do checkup every year in Human Longevity Center in San Diego. It's a company established by Peter Diamantes, Bob Hariri, and a few other people who I know pretty well. I'm going for super comprehensive program. You know, I'm spending like six hours of my time going through super comprehensive MRI. It's full body MRI, doing CT, all the different tests. I mean... I think they took like 21 blood samples from me when I did this first time. How often do you do this? How often do you do this checkup? Every year. Every year, okay. Every year. What are some checkups that we could find in our local area that you think are important? Yeah, look, it makes a lot of sense to see a doctor, like a family doctor, and saying, you know, look, I do realize that heart disease and cancer are is super important in terms of managing my mortality risk. Why don't we create a program where I will be able to do you know, certain procedures to minimize or identify this risk on early stage? What Dave Asprey calls the four horsemen right, of the apocalypse, yeah. it's heart disease, cancer, diabetes, and neurogenerative diseases. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And I believe you gave me a number. You said after a certain age, we need to be doing a checkup every year for these four things. I mean, there's not a lot you can do with your health in terms of like, you know, something really bad before you turn 25. So for someone who is like below 25, make sure you stick to the good diet, not a lot of sugar, not a lot of processed yeah. food. And obviously, you know, no bad habits like smoking, drugs, consumption of alcohol, excessive consumption of alcohol. So that's done. Between 25 and 40, 45, right? You can do checkup like every two years. Usually we're still in a good state and in good shape in between that. But like after 45, I would strongly advise everyone who can manage its way through healthcare system, obviously to do annual checkups. Because think about this, for six hours a year, you just buying, if you look at the different statistics, it does depend from your mortality risk, anywhere from five, to 25 extra happy and healthy years of your life. Yeah. I mean, it's a good deal. It's important. Yeah, no, that's remarkable. And I'm so glad you raised that. Now, you said there was also a second group of advice yeah. that you were going to share with us. Boring stuff, yes. You know, do your checkup. This is super important. Not sure about Alzheimer and neurogenerative disease. We're still at very early stage in terms of understanding where it derives from. But in the end of the day, you just go to any proper hospital and you'll be in a good hands and taken care of in terms of annual checkup. And in terms of the second place, you know, we do invest in a number of technologies. And the one which I'm particularly excited on is one is gene editing and gene therapy. There's mm -hmm. so many things which is currently under development in terms of the fighting the cancer or any other like orphan disease. We call them rare disease. But if you combine only people 
who are suffering from rare or rare genetic disease on Earth. It's 300 million people. And it's amazing. It's almost like 5% of the world population. So I think gene editing and genetic engineering is super promising. There's obviously, it's just a lot of ethical aspects behind yeah. that. But in the next 10 to 20 years, I think we'll be able to help people who are unlucky in genetic lottery to live normal life and normal years. And obviously, you know, you've seen this news back in 2017. They did an experiment in China and they created twins who were unable actually to suffer from HIV. They were genetically modified. Now that is gene editing, right? Yeah. Or is that gene therapy? What's the difference? To create gene therapy, you do editing of the gene of particular proteins. It's almost like in most of the cases, you take particular cells from this particular patient and then you by do gene editing, you create like a therapy for this particular patient or for many patients. And then gene editing targets disease-causing genes to correct or remove defect permanently. Yeah, exactly. That's incredible. And this could be done on adults? Yeah, it can be done with adults, with kids, you know, wow. even with embryos. I think it's just another 10, 20 years before it will become a mass product. Let's talk about the medical science, right? I heard from Stephen Kotler. I was speaking to Stephen Kotler earlier today. He said that as of today, there are 42 vaccines being tested for coronavirus. Last week I was speaking to him, it was 40 vaccines. So this is obviously growing. But knowing what you know as an investor in this field, when do you think we will have a vaccine for this? Again, to tell you the truth, I think we're so desperate to have it like tomorrow or in the three months. I think we will be lucky to have it by the same time next year. Wow. This would require a lot of work from everyone, from the industry, from academics, from you know people who will volunteer to go through the trial and through regulator as well. And this is assuming like everything will work and is super pace. What do you think is going to happen? Are we going to be stuck in quarantine for the next one year? It's a very difficult question and no one knows the answer. I can give you my wild guess, but you guys forgive me if I'm wrong. If you look at the venues to tackle coronavirus, there's kind of three options here. So one is vaccines, exactly what we just discussed with you. The other one is creating a new drug. You know, it's not vaccine, it's a drug that you can use to treat you know, people who are suffering from that. And creating the new drug is a huge exercise. It's multi-billion, you know, many years thing. And there's avenue number three, which I, you know, I think particularly promising, is repurposing current drugs to tackle coronavirus. And there's just a lot of experiments going today in the world, in labs, in academics, in big pharma, but also in experiments by using artificial intelligence. So what are the drugs that we have today in our pharmacies, which are produced today and approved today, which we can use to tackle coronavirus? And I think if you want to be like super positive, then I think we might have a chance to discover something in the next, you know, three to six months, which would be helpful in terms of treating coronavirus as disease. I was just watching the news and Trump keeps touting this drug over and over and over again. Yeah. Hydrochloroxine. What's going on there? I don't know what this particular substance are against that, but what I know, there's number of drugs against malaria, 
Houston repurpose. I spent six months in Africa. You know, I was strategic consultant with McKinsey. And when I've been offered the chance to take anti-malaria drug, the side effects of it is like a small book, right? I actually choose not to take it because at least the version that we had back in 2005, it was super toxic with a lot of really negative, almost like suicidal side effects by this time. So that's what I know. In other words, anti-malarial drugs like hydrochloroxine have a purpose if you have malaria because you're going to freaking die if you don't take it. Yeah. But if you're just taking the binary it, risk, yeah. massive side effects. Yeah. The Hill just published a study saying it alleviated symptoms but did not cure coronavirus in a small study. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then, that's not going to be much hope there. The other option that I've heard of is a drug used and currently is used to treat HIV. And I'm pretty sure there's tens of different drug candidates, which is currently yeah. being tested for repurposing against coronavirus. I don't want to get into a medical conversation because I really believe that people should listen to their doctor, to scientists, and hopefully you are in a country where you have a government where your leader is listening to scientists and doctors. We can't necessarily say that about all countries right now, but I do want to raise a question to you. Every time I do a podcast interview and the subject of vaccines comes up, there's this curious American phenomenon where a large chunk of people believe that vaccines are bad, evil, or can cause autism. What would you say to that? Because I see this type of like comments below every, every video. It goes into this debate. I think the reason we couldn't appreciate vaccines today, and it's the reason behind anti-vaccine movement, is that we're so used to collective immunity that we all have against this disease, right? And the unfortunate reality is that if anti-vaccine movement will grow in the next 10 to 20 years, it's going to be few other epidemias or pandemias similar to coronavirus, which will teach us to appreciate the value of vaccine. So if you want to have one minute answer on that, it's a little bit like we're so used to live in our comfort zone that we can really appreciate what created that. Right. If you want to go into a little bit more in details, probably not today. It's not binary. I'm not medical doctor, so I'm not in position to give you and our audience advice. Yeah. But basically, that whole idea that vaccines are bad, vaccines are evil, is bad science. Yeah, yeah. But then you can always be selective which particular risk you want to target. So yeah. it's not necessarily that you have to say yes to all vaccines, but there's a number of supercritical disease that we... Yeah haven't seen for decades in our life, are starting to come back. Right, yeah. because people are not getting their kids enough. A lot of parents deciding to yeah. opt out of this option. It's human nature to believe in conspiracy theories, but it's also human nature to often not understand probability, yeah. not truly understand science and to jump to conclusions. But yeah. vaccines are essential, and I wouldn't advise anyone to think or believe the junk science that says that vaccines are bad. We have to trust doctors, scientists, there's so many good people out there doing their job to help help save lives. And especially when a vaccine for coronavirus comes out, you know, the reason we don't have a vaccine now is because it goes through such rigorous clinical trials, exactly. right? It exactly. takes years. There are 42 possible vaccines right now, but they study these for over a year. And we only hope that some of them end up being successful with no serious side effects so that we can treat COVID-19. On that, Thank you so much for joining us, Sergey. 
we have reached the end of this hour. It was great having you, and thank you for this wonderful conversation. Now, where can people find out more about you? It's sergeyyan.com or my Facebook page on LinkedIn, but sergeyyan.com. S-E-R-G-E-Y, young.com. Right. And what is the name of your investment fund that invests in new technologies? It's called Longevity Vision Fund. Thank you, Sergey. And Sergey's book is called Growing Young, a step-by-step guide to living long and healthy. Learn about the book on Sergey Young. Remember, there's two Ys in that domain, S-E-R-G-E-Y-Y-O-U-N-G.com. Thank you, Sergey. It was great having you as a guest here. Cheers. Bye-bye. Stay safe. Take care, guys. I'm Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body, your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.